0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg. We got two games to talk about. On Saturday afternoon, it's the Tampa Bay Rays 6, the Cleveland Guardians 5. But on Sunday afternoon, it's the Cleveland Guardians 9, the Tampa Bay Rays 2. Unfortunately, Tampa Bay takes the series... Uh, but we got a lot to talk about here. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And I didn't get to watch a ton this weekend. I had a wedding. I had some work to do. But but uh, there was a lot of interesting baseball in these last two days. First, I want to give a shout-out to the people that listen to uh, the, the slightly ridiculous episode that I had to do, uh, Saturday morning for Friday night's game, uh, we had to talk about it, we had to, and it it was the only way it was gonna work, so, uh, I, I did what I could, and I got an episode out while walking the dog, literally while walking the dog, uh, use the Anchor app, like I say in that ad every time, and record it on my phone, and uh, I guess it's the Spotify app now, and, uh, yeah, I, I think I think the episode held up. You know, the audio quality is not great. You've heard me do episodes from the road before, but uh, we got through it. You know, we talked what we needed to talk about. And, and there's so much more. The series, I, what an interesting, fascinating series this is. And here's what I'm going to say. Because we blow a save, right? Our bullpen blows it again. We blow a save on uh, on Saturday night or Saturday late afternoon, I guess you could say. And, you know, for class A, the blown saves are starting to rack up. They are. Uh, that, I believe, is his ninth blown save. He's 1-7 now on the season with nine blown saves. That's, that's not good for a guy who is the elite of elite closers in Major League Baseball right now. Uh, nine blown saves is definitely not a season he's going to look back on fondly. Uh, but I think it just goes to show, like, this series just goes to show that, I'm sorry, like, it's just, it might not be Cleveland's, it just might not be Cleveland season. Like, the magic just isn't in Cleveland. By the way, it looks like last year he only blew four saves. In 2021, it looks like he only blew five saves. And he's already up to nine right now. Um... It's just it's not our season. And I think most of you know that. I think most of you here on August 14th know that it's not Cleveland's season and you're not, you know, hanging on to high hopes that this team is going to win a World Series. Now, the Tampa Bay Rays, on the other side of things, look like a team that legitimately could win a World Series, right? They could go compete. Their their thing is they've their pitching has been decimated. Now, there has been some news that came out about Wander Franco tonight like I'm recording this at midnight. Like there is some stuff that dropped why he left the stadium basically in like the fifth inning. And I'm not going to talk about it yet. I'm not, you can go look it up. Uh, There's some reports about an inappropriate relationship. I am, I'm not going to touch that yet. Not going to talk about that yet until there's way more details out there. They're, they're they're just, uh, it's the tip of the iceberg kind of reporting right now. So Uh, If those things are true and that all plays out and some suspension is coming uh, or legal proceedings are coming, then uh, that obviously could affect Tampa Bay's playoff chances and their World Series aspirations. But uh, as currently constructed, we'll just say this weekend, they look like a playoff team. They look like a World Series contending team. We look like a team on the outside looking in. We look like a team with a lot of talent. Like there's a lot of positives to take away from this weekend, which is why I'm glad you're sticking with me morning, people. Because there are positive things to take away from this weekend. But I think it's cemented once again that like we're the next tier down right now. The way and and you know, Antonetti and Chernoff, they got they got a lot of things to answer for in the offseason. We were a team that was competing at a high, high level last year, pushing the Yankees to five games, having some miracle playoff games. We were competing at a high level last year. I don't know how much the the balancing of the schedule affected us, right? Less games against the American League Central, although we haven't even played that well against the American League Central. The White Sox beat up on us. Minnesota, it's been a rough go. So I don't even think we can say that that's the real effect here. I, I think this team has regressed. They have regressed. The, the moves they made, the veterans they brought in, didn't pan out. And because of that, we've just gotten younger and we've gotten uh, we've regressed a little bit from contenders. And our rookies haven't come up and lit the world on fire. Maybe our pitchers have, but our hitters sure haven't. Um, they're they're interesting. They're all these young guys are interesting. They're just not really lighting the world on fire yet. And uh because of that, we got guys like Ramon Loriano and Cole Calhoun hitting third and fourth in our lineup here in this Sunday finale. So, yeah, so this team has regressed. And Antonetti and Chernoff legitimately have to answer for that this offseason. Like they have to come to the podium and talk about what went wrong and it, it admit a little fault. It admit a little fault that they that they had hopes that they could kind of stand pat with the team that they had last year and that team would be right back in the playoffs. No questions asked. That's the attitude they had. Their their offseason moves weren't big enough. They didn't offer enough support to the current, you know, core. And Because of that, we're going to be on the outside looking in again when playoffs come around, unless something nuts happens. And even if it does, and even if we win the Central Division, we're still going to be at the bottom rung of those playoff teams there. But you can see, I mean, we we put up a ton of hits, a ton of hits in these two games against the uh, Rays. 15 hits in this Sunday game. 13 hits in the Saturday night game. Saturday, we couldn't convert those rallies, right? How many times did we leave the bases loaded, met runners in scoring position? We couldn't complete those rallies. And uh and let's go here. Let's see the official numbers here. We're at five for 13 isn't terrible with runners in scoring position, but we left nine on base. We left nine out there. Uh, you know, we maybe we were getting hits with runners in scoring position, but we weren't turning them into RBIs. How many times did Cam Gallagher come up in a clutch situation? And just he finally does come through with an RBI hit uh, late in the game, uh, but uh, a little too late. Like there were so many guys on base, uh, so we left nine on base in this Sunday game. We're only four for fourteen with runners in scoring position, but we only leave six on base. So we were getting guys in. We were when when it was necessary. We were finishing those rallies and getting them in. Um, so yeah, so, uh, uh, clearly, I mean, we scored nine runs, so clearly a lot of guys were crossing the plate. By the way, we score in each of the first five innings to kick off this game. I mean, we jumped all over, uh, Ray's pitcher, uh, Zach Eflin, and Eflin has been good at home. Eflin's splits are like, he is legitimately a tough pitcher to face in Tropicana. Uh, it's no joke there. And, uh, we kind of jump all over him here. Uh, let's see. Do we have the home and away numbers? Yeah. He was 10 and three at home with a three Oh five ERA. I don't know if this is updated after the game. He has a 0.93 whip at home and against us in three innings, he gives up nine hits. That's woof. That is a lot. That's, that's a three whip right there add in uh, a one walk so 3.33 whip for this game would that that be right yeah uh so that's a significant jump from a guy who's at a less than a one whip at home on the season so uh, i'm guessing the tampa rays fans did not think if they were going to lose a game it was going to be this sunday finale with Eflin on the mound uh, and especially once they heard the news that uh, Jose Ramirez was going to serve his two-game suspension. It got lowered from three games to two, and it was these two games. So you get these ridiculous, ridiculous lineups. I mean, absolutely insane. No one would ever believe you if you told them this was the Guardians lineup. If someone, like, was, you know, checked in on the team in April and May, and and one of your buddies is like, ah, the Guardians sucked this year, and I'm not going to watch them, and Then they came to you today, you know, maybe you're at a barbecue on a Sunday, and they come to you and they're like, hey, man, you checking out the game? How are the Guardians doing? Uh, What's that lineup like today? And you tell them, oh, yeah, it's Quan leading off, then Jimenez batting second, Ramon Laureano playing center field, batting third, Cole Calhoun batting fourth, cleanup, and playing first base, then Oscar Gonzalez, Will Brennan, Gabriel Arias at third, Bo Naylor catching, and Jose Tena. At shortstop. They would look at you like you were absolutely insane. Like that you were they'd walk away from you. They think you were pulling their leg. Like they would not believe this was the lineup. Uh, and but that's that's who we roll with. That's who Terry Francona decided to roll with. So uh obviously a lot of guys get opportunities with Jose having two days off uh uh because of the suspension and uh, yeah, some guys do get playing time. Uh, Tana gets the 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 uh, getaway day, the Sunday playing time that used to go to Tyler Freeman. For some reason, Ramon L'Oreano and Cole Calhoun get to hit third and fourth in the lineup. Although yeah, it kind of works, especially for Cole Calhoun. I mean, I hate to say it, he's he has been hitting three hundred since he got here. So um, <laughs> it hasn't all been terrible. Uh, some of the first base defense has been terrible, but uh, he's at least he's at least hitting the ball. Uh, So we'll give him credit there. Uh, Loriano has been a little hot and cold uh, since he joined us. He goes 0 for 5 on Sunday, but uh, he was 2 for 5 uh, in that Saturday loss uh, with a double and two run scored. So productive there. Uh, Cole Calhoun also had two hits in that game. So everybody was kind of productive over these last two days offensively. It wasn't too shabby offensively. All right, let's talk what happened Saturday. So uh, the Guardians do jump out to a lead, and they're up, uh, they're up three to two at one point. Then they jump on two more in the eighth inning. They got a five to two lead. They give up one in the eighth inning. Uh, It's the opposite of what happened the other day, where De Los Santos gets blown up, but everybody else looks great. Now De Los Santos pitches a clean sixth inning, and it's Morgan Steffen. And Class a giving up runs in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, and Classe had another one of those innings. He did get hit hard twice. There was another kind of cheap infield hit uh, from uh, Brandon Lau, uh, minus twenty-four degree launch angle, five foot hit that that ends up you know a chopper, a high chopper on the infield that ends up going for a base hit to extend the game. Uh, before Randy Rosarena hits the walk off, uh, that kind of one hops Ramon Laureano. He kind of dives for it, throws his glove down in frustration, um, and a gets to celebrate, uh, gets to strike his pose and celebrate. I, I got to give him credit; it's it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool move. It's a pretty cool signature look. The pose, the Orozarena pose. Um, you know, it reminds me of the uh, the Jump Man, Michael Jordan like the Jumpman logo uh, where he's flying through the air, right? The tongue out. We all know it. Uh, You probably remember it from the slam dunk contest when we took off from the free throw line. Uh, And the tongue's out, and it's an iconic look. And I got to say, a Rosarena's pose, it's kind of on that level for me. It's it's a pretty iconic look. Um, So he gets to do his celebration. They get to walk it off. Now, what is going on? With Emmanuel Classe this season. Well, I can tell you that the uh, the percentile rankings have fallen. And they've fallen pretty hard. In 2022, he's, I mean, solid red in most categories. In the 90s, in most categories. And we're going to kind of go through the differences here. In 2022, average exit velocity, he was in the 91st percentile. Which means limiting A low average exit velocity effect. I could tell you that it was 86.3. This year, uh, he's fallen to the 49th percentile for average exit velocity. It's jumped up to 89 miles per hour. So a big difference there. Uh, The hard hit percentage last year in 2022, 90th percentile. This year in 2023, 54th percentile. Uh, He's also fallen in strikeout percentage. Last year, he was in the 83rd percentile for strikeout percentage. This year, he's fallen into the 44th percentile. So not getting those strikeouts. And then uh, chase rate. He was in the 100th percentile last year for chase rate. 100th. The best in baseball. This year, he's fallen to 67th percentile so that's a significant drop now you know percentile rankings doesn't mean compared to the rest of the league but that's still a significant drop in some categories right there um the the expected slugging percentage is still pretty high the barrel percentage is still pretty high walk rate fastball velocity obviously is still pretty high Um, but you can see some of these places where those numbers have fallen now What can we look at here to maybe, maybe take a guess at why the numbers have fallen? I'm going to go with the slider location as a reason that those numbers might have fallen. And I believe if we go back to this game here uh, and we go over to the Illustrator, take a look at some of the results, let's take a look at some of the hits off of Emmanuel Classe. Um, a cutter in the middle of the plate, a slider to Yandy Diaz down the center of the plate, um, on a one, one count that goes for some runs there. Um, a cutter in the middle of the plate. And then a Rosa Reyes was actually a cutter off the plate that he does a great job of shooting, uh, into the right center field gap, but three hits pretty much dead center of the plate. Now the cutter, yeah, he's always kind of lived in the middle of the plate with the cutter, but not the slider, not the slider. So in 2022, the heat map on his slider is definitely showing a guy that's reaching that outside lower edge, that glove side edge of the plate for the right-handed pitcher. He was pounding that slider down and away and hitting that corner, making guys chase, right? How high was that percentile ranking? Making guys chase on that slider in 2023. That heat map comes a lot back more to the middle of the plate. It is, not, it is not anywhere near the edge of the strike zone. It's still down, but it is a lot back into the middle of the plate. Uh, and there's a reason. I mean, the numbers on a slider aren't as good as they were last year. Last year, the batting average off a slider was 119. 119 batting average. This year, it's up to a 238. Last year, the slugging percentage off of his slider was 174. This year, it's up to 286. So, that's a big difference. Uh, he's spinning it a little less. Last year, he got an almost, uh, I would say, 80 mile per hour more RPMs on that slider when he was spinning it. And the whiff rate has fallen, 42.7% whiff rate. Forty-two point seven down to a thirty-four point five whiff rate. Uh, Put away pitch twenty-nine point seven percent of the time he was putting batters away with that slider. Now it's down to a twenty-three point two. So you can see all the numbers this year are worse on that slider. The cutter has also been a little different. It looks like he was getting it more at the top of the strike zone last year using that pitch up and the slider down, whereas this year the cutter is also kind of down, so the location is similar between the cutter and the slider. He's not working the top of the zone as much, as much. The numbers are also worse on the cutter. Uh, It goes from a 189 batting average against to a 248. It goes from a 245 slugging against that cutter up to a 338 slugging against that cutter. So that's a big Jump there. Uh, yeah, the whiff rate actually is higher on the cutter this year, uh, 5% higher. Uh, but the put-away rate is lower. Last year, he was putting away guys at 28.4% of the time with the cutter. This year, it's only down to 20%. So, uh, some some differences there with the cutter, but I I think the slider has been a real problem for him, not being able to get guys to chase, not getting that whiff on that, and not reaching the outside edge of the plate with that slider. Uh, What's the difference in the run value? Yeah, uh, the run values are significantly different. Uh, Last year, the cutter was plus 11 run value, plus 10 on the slider. This year, the slider is just at flat zero and the cutters only at plus four. So not to say Emmanuel Cossé has not been great this season. He has definitely still been a very solid closer, very respectable closer. But uh, you can see not the dominance uh, that we got from him last year. And so, again, it's not to say that Emmanuel Classe is bad this year. Still an all star, still top of the league when it comes to saves with 31 saves. Not to say that he's bad this year. Uh, Someone, uh, Marlon, points out in his email to us uh, he's the only one that emailed in for this doubleheader episode uh, that uh, he's been used a lot. Uh, A has been used a lot. He was worried about A and how much he's been used, uh, being overused. He pitched in 71 games in 2021, 77 in 2022, and has already pitched in 55 games this season. Um, so he's been advocating for some kind of somebody else that can fill that closer role a little bit to take some of the p- pressure off of A's plate. It used to be Karin Cech. Karinczak used to be able to go in there and get some saves and give Klasse a night off every now and then. But Karinczak obviously has had his struggles. So, uh, yeah, Klasse gets blown up in the uh, in the ninth inning here and blows the save. Uh, gives up a double to Yandy Diaz. Uh, single to Josh Lowe. The double to Yandy Diaz. Uh, he does strike out Wander Franco. So he does it all with two outs. He gets the big infield hit from Brandon Lau. And then Randy Arozarena with the walk off hit. So uh, despite how good the Guardians played in this one, and I'm, we did, we played fantastic. You had, you know, the triple by Quan. You had what could have been a triple from Jimenez, except it hops up and hits the foul pole and ricochets back in. Uh, that was a pretty interesting play right there. You don't see that every day. Uh, But Jimenez does a good job batting second, two for five with a double and a run scored. So uh, he's good. I mean, everybody, it's crazy how many guys have multi-hit games in this loss. Uh, Quan, Jimenez, Loriano Gonzalez, Calhoun, and Gabriel Arias all have multi-hit games uh, in that Saturday loss. But, Still, and, and we haven't even talked about Gavin Williams. You know, we got a lot to talk about in a doubleheader episode. But uh, I mean, give him a shout out for ten strikeouts, five innings pitched, uh, five hits, one earned run, no walks, ten strikeouts, one home run given up—that solo home run uh, on eighty-seven pitches. He's only hard hit six times. Give Gavin Williams some credit. There, uh, it is. It is hard that you rack up your pitch count by getting that ten strikeouts. So. I'm not shocked the only last five innings. The four-seam fastball, again, was good this time. Uh, You know, had a 44% whiff rate, 14 whiffs, 32 swings, uh, seven called strikes on that pitch alone. It's a 38% CSW on that pitch. He had a 42% whiff rate total on the day. Add in 10 called strikes. It's a 33% CSW. Add in 17 foul balls to help get him into pitcher's counts. Uh, Gavin Williams was pretty freaking elite. Uh a lot of those strikeouts are coming at fastballs at the top of the zone. Oh my god, a lot of them are up there. I got six fastballs at the top of the zone. I got one curveball up there for a called strike that he drops at the top of the zone. Uh I got a four-seam fastball down. He just blew it by him at 98 miles per hour by Wander Franco. Uh a curveball and then got Brandon Lau chasing a slider way off the plate. So uh, that's where uh, that's where Gavin Williams strikeouts come on. He did hang a curveball to Luke Rayleigh. That's the that's the one home run he gives up. So it's nice to see Gavin Williams using that fastball effectively. He didn't necessarily live at the top of the zone. In fact, he only went up there to get those strikeouts. A lot of his fastballs are in that strike zone. He was commanding it down a little bit more. Then, uh, you know, when he first came up, the last two starts, that fastball has been attacking the zone, and it's been really, really effective. So nice to see from Gavin Williams, even in a Guardians loss. Now the Guardians win because now the offense, I mean, they really went off for 15 hits, nine runs, scoring in the first five innings. Uh, It's nice to see this offense open up without Jose Ramirez and with Laureano going over five with two strikeouts in the three-hole in this place, the offense is still able to cook. It helps that Andres Jimenez goes four for five uh, in the two-hole with a home run, the solo home run in the first inning, two RBIs in the game, two runs scored. A big offensive day for Andres Jimenez. Uh, Calhoun has actually been steady. Uh, like I said, two more hits in this one. He's got his batting average at 300. Um, Gonzalez goes three for five on the day with three doubles. Come on, Oscar Gonzalez. I like that. He did turn on an inside pitch and drive an inside pitch, um, for one of those doubles. One of them was an outside pitch from a lefty, which, okay. uh, A change up away from Deekman, the lefty, and he stays on it. Uh, It's good to see Oscar Gonzalez mashing a lefty. But then he also gets one off Kevin Kelly, a righty, a sweeper away that he hits for a double, which is even more impressive uh, in the sixth inning. Uh, So yeah, good job from Oscar Gonzalez, not getting beat outside. I I mean, I was to the point where I was ready to say, is it time for Oscar Gonzalez to just cut the plate in half against right-handed pitching? And if it's anywhere on the outside edge of the plate, just let it go. It's not worth it. Even if you strike out looking once or twice, just focus in on the inside part of the plate. And when that pitch comes inside, mash it. I I, I think that would kind of help him against righties. Because eh? you, you know he chases way too much stuff at down and away. So just cut the plate in half. Anything that looks like it's going away, just let it go. Let it go. I don't know. This double, though, off the, off the sweeper, from a right-handed pitcher, is encouraging here. Um, So a big day offensively there. Will Brennan, uh, it's nice to see him get back on track. He's been pretty cold lately. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Will Brennan, uh, let's pull up his last seven games, his last 15 games. He's been pretty cold. And then uh, Gabriel Arias with a monster home run, a monster two-run home run, a big moment in this game for him. Uh, Will Brennan, his last, I'm kind of jumping around here. Yeah, his last 30 games, he's only hitting 221. Uh, he's got an OPS of, let's see, what would that be? Uh, just over 500. In his last 30 games, it's about the same for his last 15 games. His last seven games, he's only been hitting 192. So, Will Brennan definitely needed a day to break out a little bit. Um, the home run from Gabriel Arias. Uh, let's go over to the scoreboard here. Let's give you the numbers on it. 107.4 mile per hour exit velocity, 26 degree launch angle, 438 feet, 30 out of 30 ballparks. By the way, Jimenez's home run in the first was 22 out of 30 ballparks. Hit it at 102.7. Um, yeah, Arias here, it's, it's a, it would look like a nice, quick swing. Which is I like to see. Uh, it looked, it was a good, good swing, and I understand why the people who are in Arias's corner, the people that are pulling for Arias to be the everyday shortstop. I see what you're seeing. There is a ton of talent there, and a guy that hits the ball really hard. It's it's just the consistency. It just feels like Rokio is the more consistent player right now. Um. But they're going to battle. Arias and Rojo are going to battle for the shortstop position, and it's going to be fun. I think there's a, I think there's a place for these guys. I, I, I get why the front office wants to keep all these guys because they're all exciting prospects. There is a place for all these guys, you know, somewhere on Cleveland's roster. It's just, it's just an absolute magic act to make it work and find at bats for everybody which is why Arias is so valuable playing multiple positions. I mean, there's no reason he can't be backing up Josh Naylor at first base and and platooning in right field and spelling guys along the infield all next season. Uh, He just has to be comfortable enough. Remember, Jose Ramirez had to do that. You know, he had to play some left field. He played some second base eh, before he finally settled in at third. Uh, So if... If, I'm sure he can talk to Gabriel Arias and explain to him like how important it is that he can do these things and play multiple positions. And as long as his bat's in the lineup, that's all that matters. Remember, we used to say things about guys like that, like, "Oh, it helps to know where you're playing every day to feel more consistent and and uh, you know get into your routine." And I gotta say, with with as much stiff competition as there is, to be a infielder in this Guardians organization right now you gotta look in the mirror and go whatever keeps me in that lineup it keeps my bat in that lineup allows me to hammer home runs at 107.4 miles per hour i'll take it i will take it i will do whatever they need me to do uh you gotta kind of have that attitude right now because there's just there's too many guys hanging around who would love to take that at bat from you while you're waiting for your turn of the rotation at shortstop so, uh, yeah, so those Gabriel Arias fans, uh, I'm sure you loved. love I'm sure you all popped for that home run. Uh, so, yeah, uh, a huge day offensively for the Guardians. Uh, and then Tanner Bybee on the bump gives you seven strong innings, does give up seven hits, but limits them to only two runs, no walks, five strikeouts on 97 pitches. He is hard hit a lot. Uh, he was hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Uh, let's see. Eflin in his three innings, Eflin was a hard hit six times, and then we had another three against Diekman in his inning and in two thirds. So we also got nine hard hit balls off of uh, Ray's pitching. Um. So yeah, uh, Bybee, man, it's been so nice. He really has been pitching like an ace, really has. Like comes back off of two losses and refuses to let them lose in the Sunday finale. Um, again, you look at the illustrator for him and just pounding the strike zone. Uh, absolutely with the changeup, with the fastball, with the slider, he is just in that strike zone and it works for him. Uh, doesn't have as high of a whiff rate as uh, Gavin Williams did the other day. It's only a 21% whiff rate. The slider was the most effective pitch for him. Uh, six whiffs, five called strikes. It's a 31% CSW on that pitch. The changeup was also good, but he threw the slider way more, almost tw- over twice as much as he threw the changeup, uh, which had a 33% CSW. It's a 23% total CSW on the day. They did put a lot of stuff in play on him. 22 balls were put in play. Uh, they did hit some stuff hard. They hit that forcing fastball hard at an average exit velocity of 96.2, um, but he made it work. Uh, you know, seven seven hits is a lot to give up, but he stretched it out over seven innings. Uh, some key strikeouts there, so it's a really solid win from Tanner Bybee. And he's—I know the wins are you know almost circumstantial, but he is nine and two with a two point nine zero ERA. There's something to that. You're you're not a bad pitcher if you're nine and two with a two point nine zero ERA. So. be continuing to fight for that Rookie of the Year consideration. He has to be in the conversation uh, for that award. All right. I think that's all my thoughts on this one. Uh, Let me throw you a little bit more from Marlon's email. Uh, You know, two games. I I talked for a long time. Marlon wrote me uh, one heck of an email here. Um he said, "This was the strangest series I've seen this season. The Rays bullpen imploded in Game One. The Guardians bullpen imploded in Game Two. In Game Three, Jimenez gets a base hit when the ball hits the knob of his bat despite not swinging. Calhoun strikes out when the ball ricochets off his bat and into the catcher's mitt for a foul tip strikeout without swinging. So yeah, so there was some bizarre stuff going on. I mentioned the ground rule double that one hops the uh, that one hops and hits the foul pole right there." Uh, what else? there was other crazy things oh, just all the pass balls, all the all the spiked balls uh, by those raised pitchers. Uh, it was just bizarre, bizarre how uh, how many guys moved up and scored and ran around these bases via walks and pass balls this series. So it was crazy. sorry I'm freelancing on Marlin's email a little bit here. Um, so yeah, so like I said, he he, uh, he kind of crushes Tito a little bit. For leaving Curry in too long, for, for not going for it. Um, he said I compare it to the game show press your luck, Tito hit a whammy. Uh so yeah, so he's hard on Tito, he's hard on Classe here. Um, wonders if Espazino could be a future closer, uh, considered for a closer role. Because if he can't stay healthy as a starter, what if he was in a bullpen role? Would that help his health at all? Would that help him stay healthy if he's just giving you one max inning instead of six or seven innings? Uh, Big Rig and Bybee were phenomenal. He's going to make Big Rig stick. He's going to keep fighting. They're all going to keep fighting for it. Underwood's going to keep fighting for it. Everybody in the Big Rig camp is going to keep that up. Gavin Williams is nicknamed. Big Rig and Bybee were phenomenal with how well they pitched and the offensive explosion without Josh Naylor and Jose Ramirez for the last two games. It's a shame they only won one out of three. The most impressive thing was both guys pounding the strike zone and didn't walk any batters. They combined to surrender three runs, but they trusted their stuff and attacked the Rays' hitters. Yeah, it is a shame. It, it is a shame, and that's kind of, kind of the problem with this season, right? This, I told you there's no magic in this season. There's just there's just not uh, even when the Guardians do things right, they still find ways to lose. So uh, you got you just got to hope you clean the slate and come back better next season, right? And hope that magic's there. Uh, I'm sure there's things you can do in the clubhouse. There's things you can do in spring training to kind of promote that culture. And we've had that culture for a long time under Terry Francona. Those, the Lindor years, the, the recent years, the Jose Ramirez years, we'll call them. Uh, there's been plenty of magic out there uh at progressive field in this with this team. So uh they've got to find a way to do that again and flip some of these games back into their favor, some of these wild, crazy games. Um so yeah so thank you Marlin for the email. Uh I appreciate it. Uh and thank you for listening. Thank you for uh listening to the weird uh walk in the dog episode. Thank you for understanding you know being out for the evening for a wedding and doing a doubleheader episode today. You morning people, you really are you really are some of the best Guardians fans out there. And I love this community we have, this little group we've got going here. Uh, you, actually, you're not even that little of a group anymore. You've grown every season. And uh, the show continues to grow. And uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun talking baseball with you. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final... Let's just say it's the Tampa Bay Rays taking two out of three from the Cleveland Guardians. The Guardians are off uh, Monday, which means I won't be back. Uh, they're going to Cincinnati for a two game set Tuesday and Wednesday, which means I won't be back until Wednesday morning to talk baseball with you. But you can follow me on Twitter at Davy Barris. You can email the show at ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game. Let me know your thoughts on uh, a certain player. Let me know your thoughts on the battle for shortstop, and we'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So, thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.